0: Welcome to Pigskins and Pageantry, a podcast dedicated to all things SEC football. My name is Wes and I'd like to invite you to join me, Jesse and Matt each week as we discuss last week's games, news from around the league, make predictions for the upcoming games and much, much more. What's up everybody? Well, Championship Saturday is set. But its uh, outcome might be a little bit less than you think. I don't know, we'll we'll find that out. But we've uh, got some unexpected outcomes from last Saturday to talk about the latest uh, CFP rankings, which um, are literally coming out as we're recording. Um, And uh, we'll do a fun speed round and make our predictions to a uh, deceptively exciting slate of games coming up. Uh, But before we do all that, Let's welcome our hosts and I'm gonna switch it up today and let's talk to Matt first. What's going on, my friend?
1: I have been sitting here since nine o'clock, watching the end of this Kentucky Michigan State game, waiting for these rankings to come out. And the game's finally over, so (laughs) Ah ESPN (laughs) switch to an alternate channel for God's sake. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we're we're But aside from that, I'm great. Aside from that, I'm great good deal. And Jesse, how's it going?
2: I'm doing much better than I was last week. Thank you for asking. Um still still have anxiety, you know, cuz that's just the state of my football program at the moment, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Um but yeah, it's fine, you know. We're just slowly seeping into a seasonal depression as it gets dark outside, but Here we
0: are. It it just sounds bad. So (laughs) let's, uh, anytime anything's seeping somewhere, it's just bad. Anyway.
2: Never (laughs) used in a really good term.
0: Typically not. No. Well, um, let's talk about some of the games from last week. Always remember if you ain't first,
1: you're last.
0: All right, let's talk about first. Let's talk about Missouri at Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee won this one 66 to 24. Yes, that's 66 to 24 um matt and i both had the same differential we had to do the math i got the point in this one it was 28 17 tennessee at half and i think tennessee fans i saw some tweets some comments where's the offense what's going on right now and uh pretty sure they figured stuff out in the second half so uh i really don't have a whole lot more to say because this was just an absolute beat down in the end but you guys have any uh, any takeaways uh for this one any any thoughts
2: I'll quickly say mine if you want, Matt, and then you can take over.
1: Yeah, no, go for it.
2: Mizzou, self-inflicted wounds did not help the rest of the game. Um, You're already a little rough, but, like, illegal procedure, substitution issues, miffed tackles, confusing sort of... Clock management. Yeah, clock management, confusing into the quarter, decision-making, false starts, all of this just, not really great to help balance out what is already a little bit of a sketchy season for you. Um, And then I would say, I know they started off a little bit slow, but Tennessee's offense to me showed balance in order to get this win. We know how good their passing attack is with Hinden Hooker, but you know, he threw over 300 yards and uh, two wide receivers went for hundred plus. But in addition to that, three of their running backs and hooker rushed for over 50 yards and uh, they finished the game with nearly 300 team rushing yards. So that's cool. And pretty, uh, pretty well balanced for a team that has been really heavy on the pass attack.
1: Yeah. Matt. Um, First off, I want to go on record as saying that I was happy that this game ended the way it did. Um, I wanted a nuke because you know how about my love and affection that I have for Eli Drinkwitz. Um, uh, Speaking. I drink whats I was listening to the Go Balls 7 podcast uh this past week and one of the guys I can't remember if it was um it was one of them he they said and I love this line there are more highlights out of a drinky press conference than there are out of his games <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious and also 100 percent accurate um like we said, this is this was a Tennessee game after the second quarter. Uh, going into the half, I think a lot of Tennessee fans, including myself, were a bit concerned that we were looking at a little bit of a hangover um, and we were a little concerned that things weren't going to come out. But hooker's too good. The offense is too good. They eventually got everything online. Defense started playing pretty well uh, in the second, in the third and fourth quarter. Uh, and I think Tennessee, let's see, uh, just had it. Uh, they scored uh, do-do-do they scored what 38 points second half so when you talk about pouring pouring it on they poured it on in that second half um a couple other things is it's nice to see tennessee's back to being hungry you um a lot of highlights out of uh you know milton and squirrel and brew and all the wide receivers and quarterbacks and everybody and i think we're going to be looking good going forward even when hooker does eventually leave uh at the end of the season i think that joe milton would be nasty at quarterback he's 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 shown a lot of progress since last season so overall great win for us I thought
2: what I'm hearing is when your hooker is good everybody scores
1: bingo
0: (laughs) there's just uh, so many puns all the way around there hooker scoring all that stuff but Mm -hmm. uh, I I think uh, I think Tennessee did uh, what they should have done here um, because I, I mean Mizzou just didn't really have the personnel to stack up I think and we talked about it last week um, in in the prediction and just talking about how Mizzou doesn't have the defensive backs to hang with their receivers. And that was made apparent in this one eventually. Um, I did like uh, putting Milton in uh, and allowing him a chance to air it out and giving him a chance. Uh, it was good to see that. Uh, but what I don't understand, and Matt, maybe you can shed some light on this, is that why, in, in the name of all that is good, why are you running it in for a touchdown from the two-yard line with 36 seconds left to make it 66 to 24. Why why are we doing that in the closing minute of the game? Why? That
1: that is that is all about style points. Um okay, and the national media had an absolute field day with that. Um, talking about how Tennessee was bullying uh uh Missouri and how they were taking advantage of the situation and whatnot. And granted, yeah, that was. That was a little bit of a run-up. I'll be the first one to admit, minute. But here's the thing. Tennessee has to make a strong case to get into the playoff. If TCU goes undefeated uh, and they manage to win the Big 12, Tennessee's going to have to have some points to kind of give them some a little bit of a leg up in that scenario. Um, plus, there's some bad kind of seething blood between Tennessee and Missouri. Um, and, and I think that might have played a part, too, because Drinky was running his mouth over the summer. Talking about Tennessee's football team and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Um, so I think there was that was a couple of factors in play. And Drake would said in the interview is like, I, you know, I didn't like it, but there's nothing I could do about it. It's my job to stop him, and I didn't yeah. stop him. Um, so I, I, I say no harm, no foul there. Um, the thing that kind of bothers me about it is if this had been an Ohio State, if this had been a Alabama, if this had been another one of those premier teams doing the exact same thing, nobody would have said anything. Uh, and that includes um, a couple of big national uh, journalists that had to put their oar in uh, about this particular thing. So I don't I know. It. I, I would brag it on Alabama because we get—that's true.
2: We get told that we run up, or in previous seasons, we get told we run up the score, and
1: we—I
2: don't feel like
1: we do. Well, I can tell you that I, both and Ohio State beat people that bad, and nobody said squat about it. Oh no! So no, Ohio
2: I've, State is—I don't even know. Apparently they have some, uh, some arrangement with journalists. They always end up in the top four and they're God's gift from poisonous trees. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's true. Not even a useful nut anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I hear you, Matt. And, and actually that, I mean, I think that's acceptable. You know, I, it it did rub me the wrong way when, uh, when I saw it live. Um, and I was also, it's a different situation, but I'm thinking about We've had chances that Georgia has in in um, earlier in the year where uh, we were up big on teams and we got down near the goal line, but instead of punching it in, we just knelt it. I mean, in an easy scoring situation. Uh, but it is a little bit different situation. And to your point, it is about style points, and especially with the committee these days, it's a lot easier to look down down the list of games and say, oh, well, that was that was a complete nuke. That was a complete nuke, blah, blah blah. Um, I get it. You're trying to, to stack the scoreboard in your favor. So I get that from that standpoint.
1: Not to um, mention the fact that this was a highly ranked Missouri defense. I think they were like 16th or 14th in the nation in total defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not bad. They're okay. They have 66 they're points okay. on a the top okay. 25 defense is, is impressive. And I think if Tennessee doesn't struggle in the second and first part of third quarters, uh, I don't think that maybe they go for that kill shot. I think mm-hmm. maybe – they let that go. But I think the fact that Tennessee struggled through a quarter in this game and we struggled, I think that kind of is the mindset or, or maybe Heupel just decided, you know what, I, they're not going to stop. So we might as well get some more points. Why not? Well, you also
2: have to think, and I think about this too, when you look at scores that are that big of a difference and you do have backups and backups to backups. in at that point, typically, and those guys want to get, scores they want to get minutes yeah. they want to yeah. they want to run certain plays they want to get that that live game practice and so yeah. i i don't always love it when teams do it but at the same time i have to understand that those players that are in are usually not the starters and they want some glory too
0: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um i know this is not a big 10 podcast but they were talking about the speaking of ohio state the one of their guys scored a touchdown this past weekend and I think he they, he's been captain numerous times. He's uh, torn his ACL like some, ridiculous, like three or four times, or some insane number like that. He was able to score a touchdown this weekend, and so they're all celebrating with him in the end zone. What is one of those lopsided victories? But uh, able to to do that, kind of in line with what you're talking about, Jesse.
1: Yeah. So
0: um, anyway, all right, let's move on to the next game of the day. That was LSU at Arkansas. Uh, LSU winning this one, uh, an exciting. Riveting offensive game 13 to 10. <laughs> um, I got the point in this one. Uh, KJ Jefferson didn't start this one as he was out with a shoulder injury. Um, turns out you know, last week when they lost to Liberty, um, they did have him, but he really kind of wasn't even himself then either. It, it appears that he's been playing through a shoulder injury for a while now, and so uh, he's just been really been struggling with that. So he was out, Malik Hornsby started instead, and he went four of nine for 24 yards. Um, obviously they couldn't get anything going offensively, but neither could LSU. And I don't know what really the cause of that is. LSU led six to three at half when Josh Williams, who had 122 yards on 19 carries for LSU, scored on a one-yard touchdown in the third to make it 13 to three. Arkansas then put in third-string quarterback Cade Fortin to uh, try to get a a spark on offense, which worked as they scored a 40-yard touchdown pass uh, from him to Matt Landers to make it 13-10. All right, Arkansas is back in it. Uh, they get the ball back with about a minute and a half left, and they're driving down the field when Harold Perkins strip sacked Fortin and LSU recovered, and that was the ball game. Perkins, by the way, um, had the flu in this game, and apparently uh threw up before the game. And Brian Kelly was telling him, "Hey man, uh, MJ uh, did the same thing too in in his flu game," and Perkins looked at him and said, "Who's MJ?" So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, okay. showing his age a little bit there. So, anyway, you guys uh, have any takeaways from this one?
2: Yeah, when the whole LSU and Arkansas football teams are not playing this coming week because they all have the flu, <laughs> be responsible. Stopping being germy. That's gross. I know you think it's tough to play through the flu, but it's actually just really inconsiderate and not good for you. And coaching staff, don't encourage that. Ew. Um. Aside from that, (laughs) Daniels couldn't get the passing game in check. And I think that this game is going to be played over and over again in that UGA locker room for the next six
0: yards in the air.
2: Yeah. After throwing one interception all season, he tossed an interception on the opening drive of the game. Later in the first quarter, fumbled the ball on a red zone or on his own read. He put LSU's offense into an early hole. Uh, The passing game never seemed to recover from that. He was eight for 15 for 86 yards, no touchdowns. And he logged just 10 yards on the ground after being sacked seven times. That's woof when you're talking about an Arkansas team that has honestly gone downhill quite quickly. Um, But I think this could have very well have been a hangover game. I'm sure Matt's going to talk about it because he called it, but Mm -hmm. you can't have those type of games. If you're going to be the champion in the West and you're going to go play Georgia uh, because that's not going to work. And they're going to look at this game and they're going to find the holes and they're going to exploit them because the Georgia defense is much better than the Arkansas defense. And then for Arkansas, bless them. They have two chances left to make a bowl game. Two, they started this year ranked in the preseason top 25. They soared as high as number 10. We were all there, we were all excited for them in the AP. And then three straight losses just bounced them down, down, down. They're no longer a contention in the west. And then obviously no one is after this week, but they are um they have a very razor <laughs> thin margin to uh to get to a bowl game.
1: Matt? I, you know, I was expecting this to be a little bit of a letdown, and I uh, I wasn't wrong. Um, you know, LSU and Arkansas both really struggled to move the ball. Um, defensive battle between these two. Um, you ended up with Harold Perkins having a heck of a game. I mean, when you get four sacks in the same game and you have the flu, that's, uh, that's a special day for that kid. Um, I'll be interested to see how things pan out for him going forward because I think he's a junior, I think i thought he was a freshman hold on i'll tell you exactly maybe um, he is a freshman freshman. yeah my god a freshman (laughs) um yeah so he's he's gonna be around for a minute and it looks like he's gonna be getting some big paychecks on sundays here in the next couple years um but man he had himself a game um you know what this is one of those situations where lsu controls their own destiny and they're gonna have to find a way uh to to write the ship before you get to Atlanta in December. Um, they only have a couple more chances to kind of get things figured out before they have to go. It's the big red machine that is the University of Georgia's football team. And I I don't know. You know, this is an LSU team that got blown out in their own stadium against Tennessee. I'm not sure how this is going to work. I don't think LSU is going to be able to hang in that game, but we'll see. Um, I feel bad for Pittman because we had such high hopes for Arkansas this year, and those, those hopes have evaporated. So –
0: yeah, I don't I don't know if Arkansas defense was just that effective against LSU or if LSU is playing conservative, knowing that they're going against a backup quarterback. Uh but if that's the case, I don't know why you would do that. And you know, I mean it's like, um, why wouldn't you just pour it on and make the victory look that much better? Uh I, I just
1: I just don't really understand.
2: Arkansas, that. you were so close.
1: Yeah. Props to so
2: them. close to making me feel better.
1: <laughs> Oof, man, if, if Arkansas had won this game and knocked LSU out, they'd have been three losses. And I think that would have gave Bama the inside track, right? With a win over Ole Miss.
2: Yeah. Bama or I mean at Is that, that right? point it would be Bama or Ole Miss because we would have had the same record.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I um would we'll go to the head to head
2: and and then I don't know.
1: Yeah, I typically yeah, would go to the head to head and Bama just won that so. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, I just um I I don't typically get um like, have like a a personal uh favorite to pull for on these but especially with the week that we had with the uh, LSU fans last week. I'm not going to lie, I was pulling for Arkansas a little bit. No hate on LSU fans. By the way, um there were several good LSU <laughs> fans that commented as well and I don't want those to go unnoticed. There was Multiple people who commented saying, we're sorry that um, you had to deal with that. We're not all bad and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, obviously, obviously we know that. And we know that every fan base has their jerks. And unfortunately, the jerks are the loudest. And that's what gets noticed.
2: One of our jerks poisoned a whole tree. So (laughs) please don't think we're all that way. I feel (laughs)
0: right. So, uh, yeah um so anyway um moving on uh, we had to vanderbilt at kentucky vandy getting that elusive sec victory vandy winning this one 24 to 21 nobody got the point in this one because well yeah why would you pick vandy um uh, if history is in any indicator not a ton of offense in the first half in this game vandy leading seven six at half i think we were texting each other like oh look at vandy um not thinking that it would actually happen right uh but both of these teams got the offense going a bit more in the second half and uh Kentucky took took the lead 27-17 or I'm sorry 21-17 on a 72-yard touchdown run with 5 minutes left then Vandy comes up clutch at the end which when's the last time we've ever said that <laughs> usually it's in Van- football usually it's uh-huh. Vandy's going to Vandy is uh is usually what mm-hmm. we say yeah, yeah, yeah. um but uh, they, they came up clutch with a 12-play 80-yard drive that ended in an eight-yard touchdown pass from Mike Wright to Will Shepard with 32 seconds left. The defense then closed out the game. and get its first SEC win in 1,120 days, October mm. the 19th, 2019 to be exact, or 26 SEC games. Mike Wright had a great game in this one, throwing for 184 yards and a touchdown, also rushing for 126 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Ray Davis ran for 129 yards and a touchdown. So, Vandy with two 100 yard rushers for the first time since 2002. You guys have any takeaways from this surprise game?
1: <laughs> Ouch, Kentucky! Ouch! <laughs> like, I, we were, you know, we, we, I feel like every, every couple of seasons we talk about a team that just has regressed. Mm -hmm. uh really badly a couple seasons ago it was Missouri I think last season we were talking about uh was Auburn that we were talking about regression it's just Mm -hmm. Kentucky has just they have looked not good not good at all over the last couple weeks I mean ever since that Tennessee game boy they have just not looked good in the least um another lackluster game out of Will Levis uh again I'm still trying to figure out where in the world Will Levis went because again regression uh and then you know ray davis had himself a game 26 carries for 129 yards that's not a bad day on the ground so uh kudos to vanderbilt for pulling that one off but man kentucky gotta can you
2: imagine being the one guy in vegas who bet on vandy
1: <laughs> rich he made a right lot now. of money i bet like, i would hope he made everyone
2: money. was probably laughing at him like okay
0: <laughs>
2: yeah right uh, like that's never you. gonna happen <laughs> yeah good for you uh this this has got to be the worst loss in the stoops era at Kentucky. I mean, honestly, with Vandy snapping that 26-game SEC losing streak, and then they also snapped the six-game winning streak, uh, with Kentucky having beat them the past six times. So great win for Clark Lee. But if you're if you're Coach Stoops, this does not look good. Uh, this is a, a very Big regression. Um, And then Kentucky's red zone efficiency is a complete dumpster fire. It is not okay. They entered Saturday, ranked tied for 90th, 9-0 in the country in red zone efficiency. And gotcha. this past weekend did nothing to help that. They scored just one touchdown during four red zone attempts, settled for two field goals, and had another kick blocked. Also missed both two-point conversion attempts. Um, Coach Stoop said, it's just killing us because it's stopping momentum, stopping plays. We're not converting the field goal all the time. Um, their kicker is, you know, kicked it good three of the four, but it's got to be four out of four. It's just got to be clean. But at the same time, you've got to be efficient in the red zone. You absolutely have to. And yes, I know kickers need to kick and we – Lord knows I have trauma from kickers, but at the same time, like you got to put guys in the end zone and you've got to just convert. And I, I have very big concerns as I'm sure all the wildcat fans do about their efficiency there, because this is an absolute regression dumpster fire. And I agree with Matt. I don't know where Will Levis went, but at the same time, did he lose weapons? I don't know what's happening.
0: Regression. Yeah, Um, I think uh, this. Yeah, this adds on to what's really been a fairly subpar year for for Stoops and his standards at Kentucky, for sure. Um, here's an interesting thought. You're talking about Levis and draft stock and stuff like that. He is a senior this year, but um, if my calculations are correct with the covid year and everything, he could oh. stick around if he wanted to. I'm thinking he might ought to. <laughs> Here's another right question
2: now. I posed to you. Yeah. One okay. year left of eligibility. The program has looked like it's regressing. It, it it's not doing well. Does he enter the transfer portal?
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, that's how Kentucky got him. Why wouldn't you? If you're in a situation where you the offense has not looked good, you're trying to improve your 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 draft stock a little bit. You're going to want to go somewhere with where you know you can air the ball out. Why wouldn't you think about you it? you
2: pull a Bo but, Nix, yes, Nix and go to the West it. Coast,
1: and then all of a sudden you're in the top seven of the uh, well, not anymore, but you're you're in the top running for one of the top CFP programs. So why not? Yeah, I first. hadn't
0: considered that, mm. but he's going to have to do something cuz he he started way up in the in the draft boards and he's just plummeted um i i can't i can't see anybody watching what we've watched this year and being like you know what that's going to be one of my first picks next year um i i don't see that happening so yeah i don't see a, him
2: going to an sec school but i could see him going out of conference
1: yeah this like a, interesting like decision or yeah. something like that right. i can see it Boy, he would be, man, the there. Kentucky fans would burn him in effigy. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, that would yeah. be, oh, that would be so bad.
0: Yeah. Uh, on the other side, really excited for Vandy, though. If you're going to bring a football program out of the gutter, you got to start somewhere, right? So uh, what a great win for Clark Lee and Vandy football. Also, what a story for Mike Wright, as we said. Look at the stats. but But let's also consider he sat behind both Ken Seals and A.J. Swan this year after he got benched. So, um, you know, and then this week he gets his shot once again. And what a performance. So, I mean, uh, kudos to him. I mean, it's always good to see stories like that. People who stick with it, they don't give up and they're rewarded. So, so props to Mike Wright. Let's move to Alabama at Old Miss. Bama winning this one 30 to 24. Um, Jesse and Matt were both tied with the distance of margin of victory. Uh, we did the math and Matt gets the point here. Sorry, Jesse. Okay, (laughs) um,
2: we won. I don't even care.
0: (laughs) There you go. Uh, Bama found themselves in a uh, relatively unfamiliar uh, situation of trailing at halftime, 17 to 14. And uh, how things have gone this year was really wondering if that might be a sign of things to come. But uh, they seem to really contain Ole Miss's offense in the second half, only allowing seven points. Meanwhile, Bama scores a touchdown, and Will Reichard made three field goals to give Bama that six-point lead there. Um, so, uh, Ole Miss marched down the field at the end, had one last play to try and score and Jackson Dart actually threw a pretty good pass, uh, on a crossing route in the end zone, but, uh, well defended and Bama holds on for the win. So Jesse, you can, you could relax at that point. So, uh, what are you guys' takeaways from this one?
2: I'm going to say it again. I said it last week. Our O-line has got to be consistent. It's, it's an issue. Um, we will never take our run game to the next level. We will never utilize our backs as much as we truly could if we don't improve the O-line. They are just failing, at least in the first half, to make holes for the backs. Um, they sort of decided to wake up in the second half, and we need them awake for all four quarters. Another thing is you know, Ole Miss has one of the worst run defenses in college football, allowing over 150 yards per game on the ground this year. And you would think with someone like Jameer Gibbs, McClellan, we'd be running all over them the whole game. And that just wasn't the case. Now in the second half, McClellan was able to make, you know, a little bit of momentum for us, but Jameer Gibbs was a non-factor. He had three yards on six touches. Like I said, McClellan led the way with 84 yards on 19 touches and the offense as a whole averaged three yards per carry on 36 touches and that's not going to beat a lot of teams, uh, especially when you look at Bama of years past when our running backs and our run game was just solid. And now I understand with different quarterbacks, we play a different system now, but still our O-line was has been very inconsistent for me, which is is concerning. Um, so for us to finish with just over 100 yards rushing against one of the worst run defenses, I can only imagine that Coach Saban was pretty pissed off. Uh, as were a lot of Alabama fans. Now, on the opposite side of the wall, Judkins is legit, y'all. My Lord. He had mm-hmm. 135 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and I mean, he's from Alabama. We didn't even recruit this guy, but he entered the game averaging 114.89 yards on the ground. And that makes him one of only two players in the conference. Um, Sanders from Arkansas is the other to average at least hundred yards per game. Um, it was his seventh, 100 yard performance of the season, um, in an offense that is, you know, up tempo and, and trying to get the, the run game going. So he's legit. I was very impressed with his performance, uh, for Ole Miss. And then I'm gonna, I'll talk about it because I know everyone wants to know about, uh, Dallas Turner. And the face mask. Okay.
1: A little that, was hot about. Than, that was more than the face mask. That was like, a, a, I don't know what that was. So but...
2: we were watching it and I had a long discussion. It was awful. It was horrible. It was horrible, it was horrible to watch. It hurt me. Um, I know. I don't think he intentionally grabbed it at first, but at some point, you know what you're doing. And then he just slung him and kind of pushed his head. You can't do that. And we were looking at the rules and I think I'm right and we looked it up is it is considered a face mask because there is no ruling to determine it as something else. There's nothing else in a rule that determines it as if it was
0: malicious or not.
2: Yeah. Because we talk about it all the time with targeting. There's no way to judge intent fully and they don't judge intent. It just is what it is. It wasn't Roughing the passer as the rules are written. It wasn't anything else. It was just a face mask. And so it looked egregious. And it was, but the officials did what the rules call for. And they got the the yardage penalty that was in the rules. Um, so I'll be interested to see if if anything comes out of that. Now that we're in an era where we do adjust the rules quite a bit as we start to see things happen. So um, just wanted to address it because I know people would be talking about it.
0: Matt, what are your your thoughts?
1: I To kind of piggyback off that, uh, did Jackson Dart do something to the University of Alabama's defense? Because no. uh, I don't know if he said something mean about their mom or if he – I don't know if he's dating one of their girlfriends or what, but that crap, your fat little
2: girlfriends eating fish sandwiches with them.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There were numerous times aside from just the face mask where there were situations where Jackson dart was getting just pummeled parts where, you know, it, and I don't want to get up on the thing about how Bama gets preferential treatment from the referees, but you do have to admit things always look a little weird. Anyhow. Um, Fact of the matter is, is that Jackson Dart got the crap kicked out of him in this game, um, and you know I don't know if you guys saw the clip, but Lane Kiffin said he talked to Jackson's mom she uh, the next day, and it she was she said she told him th- this, and he said it in the presser. He said, "I I don't understand why," uh, her saying, "I don't understand why my son gets different treatment because he plays for a different SEC program," um, because I and they're not wrong, I I think. There's just so much in in inconsistency with that. And there should have been at least a couple more uh, roughing, like unnecessary roughness penalties, uh, roughing the passer penalties. There was an egregious pass interference, uh, defensive pass interference call that just magically did not get called on a deep ball. I think it was in the second or third quarter. It's just the officiating so awful. And I don't know how you miss those calls. Like I understand tiki-tack little things that happen in the heat of the moment. There's things, a lot of things flying around and you miss it. But when you're consistently missing egregious penalties, like it's just ridiculous. Um that was kind of the big thing that popped out for me uh when I was looking back over this game. The other thing is Bryce Bryce Young is a cheat code. I don't understand how in the world he's how he's able to walk with The weight of this entire program on his back, because let's be honest here, it has been Bryce Young carrying Alabama all bloody season long. Did um, you see him I light the goodness... into them
2: on the sideline?
1: I did yes. not see that, but I, I don't know. He and Saban together in unison. <laughs> oh, 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 that's a scary thought. Um, it and, and you know what? I hope Bryce uh gets to the NFL. Uh and I hope the goodness I get a chance to recruit him uh to my fantasy football team because I got a feeling he's gonna light <laughs> things up when he gets up there
2: there's already three former bama qbs that are
1: who are doing doing a great job right now two has been looking great in the nfl so
2: jalen hurts that angel human being
0: yeah i um you're talking about the the penalties or lack thereof the only the, the main one that i had a problem with was uh where they tackled jackson dart and then they shoved him into the turf like Two or three times afterwards, and it was like the shoulder pads, and then again the helmet into the turf at the end, Mm -hmm. and I was like,
2: "Undisciplined team." I miss talk about it on penalties, like them doing silly things, but it is just completely undisciplined um at this point, and and there needs to be a reckoning.
0: Yeah, that's actually yeah, I was gonna say that's actually my first point on there is Bama looking undisciplined, but. um, more so than that, it's not just uh, that type of stuff, or you know, penalties and things like that. I was noticing there was a portion of this game early on. Obviously, not the second half because they seemed to kind of get it together. But in the first half, it almost looked like a lot of Bama players had kind of checked out, and it, it was almost like they were just sort of going through the motions on the field. There wasn't like passion or anything like that with what they're doing. I, I have not seen this in a Saban team that I can remember. Um, obviously. He'll, Uh, what was his first year there?
2: 2008,
0: Uh, 2007, 2007. Yeah, that's close. So obviously the memory is going to be a little bit foggy, but to my recollection, I have not seen a a Saban coach team be like that. It was just very odd. Uh, But to their credit, like I said, they came out second half played a lot better and Saban even alluded to that in his press conference, how the players kind of took it personally. Um, You know, are are, are they going to hold to the standard or not? And um, it appears that they answered the bell. So yeah in in the uh final bell you know congrats to them uh they they did what they were supposed to do but um they're gonna have to figure it out but if they're gonna uh, go places from from here on out i think um depending on the competition naturally but uh but yeah um that's pretty much all i've got for that one uh let's go to south carolina florida florida Blowing them out 38 to six Uh, Florida dominated this one from the opening kickoff scoring on the first four drives and before Carolina could even get the ball across the 50 yard line, Florida led 24 to zero. So not much of a game here. They never looked back and got a convincing win against a South Carolina team that I think most of us, uh, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I thought might've had a chance against Florida just a few short weeks ago Mm -hmm. when they were kind of rolling. So uh, what are you guys' takeaways from this one?
2: I want Matt to go first because I want him to read his first takeaway.
0: <laughs>
1: Why? But. Okay.
0: Can you read um, it the way it's spelled? Because that would be challenging. I believe read it the way
1: it's spelled. <laughs> Spencer Rattler for Heisman. <laughs> Shut up. we were talking about it. this at the beginning of the preseason, everybody and their mother, when Rattler showed up in Columbia, they're like, oh, he's going to win the Heisman. Kids. He's barely cracked. I think he's sitting at like 1900 yards, 1983 yards, something like that. He's thrown eight touchdowns and nine interceptions on the season. Don't come at me with that whole Spencer Rattler's the second coming of a great quarterback because he's not. He's not. He benefited from being at Oklahoma, being in a system where they don't play defense in the pack in the Big 12, I almost said Pac 12, same difference. Um so yeah, just that we can put the spencer rattler stuff to bed it's it's over and gone with i, I just the, the concept of it just makes my brain hurt um south carolina looked anemic on offense like we talked about the lack of explosive plays is one of the big things that i noticed when i was looking at the stat line they had one play over 20 yards um you know when you look at more one of the more prolific offenses in the in the sec they're going to have multiple over 20-yard uh, plays. Uh, some of them have two or three on each drive, so it just kind of depends. Lots of fumbles in this one. Um, Carolina has, again, regressed and gone backward a little bit. Um, and Florida's looking decent. Richardson had a good day. Um, you know, it sounds like they were asking him in the pre- post game presser, hey, are you going to stick around? Are you going to go to the NFL? Do you, is that going to be a conversation that comes up? And the way he sounded, he made it sound, he's like, I just want to win next week and get to a bowl game and win the bowl game. It doesn't sound like he's really concerned about the NFL at this point. Yeah. that's I
2: think they get in trouble when they look too far ahead and they start thinking about an NFL payday. You got to get there.
0: That was an, an interesting topic of discussion uh about whether or not this might have been his final game at the swamp, which is kind of crazy, kind of snuck up on us if that is indeed the case. But um i don't know i mean it's another one that we talk about the possibility of turning pro Uh, i don't really know what to think of that honestly right now uh we've kind of said that there's a lot of development that needs to happen there um especially in the first half of this season i I certainly think he's improved i don't know Mm -hmm. if i would say he's improved enough to say hey let's go let's go to the draft um but uh I don't know. I might come back and see what uh Napier is going to continue to do down there, continue to build the program back up a little bit. So uh I don't know. All right, let's uh let's move to Georgia at Mississippi State. Uh Georgia winning this one 45 to 19. Matt getting the point here. Um Georgia led 17 to 6 near the end of the first half, but a punt return for a touchdown with 3 seconds left in the half made it 17-12 after the failed two-point conversion attempt and uh big for Mississippi state uh, for momentum going into half uh, Georgia seemed to come out of halftime knowing what changes they needed to make um, and held the air raid offense to 13 points with another six coming off of that punt return. So uh, lad McConkey had a day uh, rushing for uh, uh, a 70 yard touchdown and a five receptions for 71 yards and a touchdown as well. Uh, do you guys have any takeaways or thoughts about this one?
2: I just think no matter how hard Mississippi State's defense tried, their offense just was not getting it done for them. And you can't have success, sort of success. I know you look at the score, but the defense can't be the only people that that keep you in this game. And so I think Mississippi State needs to regain a lot of that momentum that they seem to have earlier in the season if they plan on winning their final few games and then. The other thing is it looked like the the Bulldogs needed to clean up some, some sloppiness. I mean, they had two interceptions. Um, they last week, the dogs had two turnovers and then they had three against Florida the week before. So I understand, yes, they're 10 and zero, and they're still dominating. I'm not saying that, but in the last two weeks, Georgia's had, you know, six penalties in each game. And it's just not something that, I think is characteristic of them. And I think they need to make sure that they're staying disciplined going into Atlanta um, because, you know, turnovers and things like that, that, that can always hurt you, uh, especially in a a championship game.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Matt. Yeah. um, Y'all you've ever seen the movie, the shining. I'm sure you have. Of course. Yeah, you know the you know the scene with the elevators when the elevators open up and it's just just buckets of blood. Mm-hmm. Just a giant lobby filled with blood. That's what this football game was. Um and I had a feeling that was going to happen. I knew it was going to be a bloodbath. Mississippi State didn't have the dogs to hang, no pun intended. Um and and we knew this they it's like Denny Green used to say, we they they are who we thought they are and Georgia is going to do Georgia things um like Jesse was saying uh, ew, Stetson Bennett having kind of a rough day. I know that he got the yardage up there, but when you look at the box score, um he goes, hold on a second, I just had it pulled up. He goes 25 for 37 for 289 289 yards and he did throw for three touchdowns, but he did throw two interceptions and he did fumble the ball once which was recovered by Georgia. But that's that's looking a little iffy there, Wes. I don't know what's going on with your quarterback.
0: So, so I do have something to say about that. Uh, the dogs um, came out strong and installed a bit in the first half. Was uh, pleased to see how strong they came out in the second half. Just for my takeaways, but, but uh, as you're talking about interceptions, both of them uh, were excusable in in this sense. So, with one happening where his throwing arm got hit, so as the ball is being released, his the uh, his throwing arm got hit. So I'll be okay. Sh- sure, it's it's inaccurate because of that. Whatever. Uh, and then the other one, a D-, D lineman, just stuck up his hand and like tipped the ball straight down to himself. It was just one of those weird-looking interceptions oh, where okay. this massive well, lineman better. tips it to himself. You know, it doesn't look good on the stat sheet for sure, but uh, I'm not really necessarily worried. He had a, a rushing touchdown in this game where he uh, juked the dude out of his shoes and then ran around him. So not necessarily I saw that
1: play. That was that was a nice play. I, I, he, I was a little impressed. He did, he, I was like, he did hit him hard.
0: I was like, I didn't know you had those moves, man. But, uh, yeah, so not necessarily worried about that. Um, but, yeah, Kirby said it. The Georgia defense gave up some yards, but uh, ultimately they took a bend but don't break stance. Like I said, ultimately they only gave up 13 points, That uh, six of them coming off of that punt return and then um, failed two-point conversion afterwards. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit lackluster to start with, but I definitely kicked things into gear. I'm not necessarily – uh, getting excited about it because it's old Miss, or I'm sorry, it's Mississippi State. And I, and I think um, that this is what we probably should have done. I'm uh, not knocking the air raid offense, but I think that we had the personnel to kind of deal with that and to kind of keep the plays in front of us where they're not going to get chunk yards and things like that. So I kind of, I kind of saw that, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm not going to get too, uh, too incredibly excited about it. Um, all right, let's move to A&M at Auburn. Auburn winning this one uh 13 to 10 (laughs) and what a what a wild game uh i got the point in this one so uh two teams coming into this game both on five game losing streaks by the way uh but the funny thing is is that with all that going on this game was sold out uh you know with these two underperforming teams coming in so uh kudos to the support shown there um at jordan hair um uh, Devon Echain was uh, unavailable for this one as he as he was seen in a walking boot. Uh, AM's top receiver, Moose Muhammad, was also out um, because of internal issues, according to Jimbo. So uh, Texas Am's offensive struggles continued. and although Auburn wasn't much better, if you look at the stat sheet, uh, Robbie Ashford throwing for only 60 yards a touchdown and two picks there. Uh, but then, uh, you, when you got the tank running for 121 yards, that helps too. Um, so, uh, with, uh, with this loss, uh, A&M will officially not make a bowl game. Uh, Vanderbilt also has just as many conference wins as them this year. So far, uh, <laughs> Vanderbilt actually has a better overall record right now than Texas A&M does. Um, uh, when's the last time we said that, um, I never that I can remember in uh, football. Yeah, no. n- definitely not football. Uh, they lost uh, Am's lost six in a row for the first time since 1972. And I think we all remember that team that was coached yeah. by Emery Bellard, who was the inventor of the wishbone, by the way, that tells you how historically bad this is. So uh, <laughs> give it, give it to me. What are, what are your takeaways for this, uh, this crazy one?
2: I, <laughs> the Aggies defense is the only reason I think that this doesn't look worse. Um because if you looked at just the amount of yards that they allowed in this game, it it doesn't really look great. However, while they allowed the Tigers to gain 333 yards of offense, they held them, you know, to only 13 points and you know, they had to do something cuz their offense wasn't doing anything. So Maybe hold on to that a and fans. Mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, but no bowl game. What I'm going to expect is a transfer portal mess at the end of this season for Jimbo Fisher with a number one recruiting class that is now probably wondering why they are there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think these Aggies are probably hoping that Jimbo is gone, but With that large buyout, and honestly, a lot of buyouts for the rest of the coaching staff, cleaning house is going to be really difficult. And I just don't know that they're going to be willing to do it at this point because of how much money
0: it's going to bleed from them. Deep part of the pockets.
2: It's it's (laughs) going to be interesting. But to me, I am just ready to watch this transfer portal and see what is going to happen and who's going to go where. This is a Texas A&M team. That was ranked within the top ten going into this season, and they have plummeted. Uh, i I cannot personally remember a downfall this quick from even outside the SEC that didn't you know that isn't a result of sanctions and, you know, criminal investigation <laughs> right? um, I really can't. And then I have to say, Cadillac Williams seemed to have delivered a breath of fresh air into an Auburn team that I can only imagine felt really beat down and and discouraged. So their defense delivered at home to a, a packed out crowd, um, and they they really dominated the Aggies' offense. And I think if you're an Auburn fan you're at least encouraged this week. Um, and I don't know that Cadillac Williams is the guy that is going to get that head coaching job, but he's got my vote because he just seems so enthusiastic and supportive.
0: Yeah. Uh, Matt,
1: uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you they're, they're not going to hire Cadillac. There's no no way they go that route. They'll, they'll keep him on staff more than likely, but I, I have a hard time imagining that they're going to keep him as the head guy. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Tank Bigsby had a, I saw a quote by Tank Bigsby after the game. He said, when, when Cadillac, when coach Williams got his Cadillac, got the job, the building changed. And I think that says a lot, you know, guys are going to play a lot harder for somebody that they love and respect. And I think that they've definitely got that with Cadillac Williams. Um, I, you know, again, wish him the best. I don't think he's the guy that they're going to go with. Um, We'll have to wait and see what happens there. I do want to point out, this is the second, or sorry, this is the lowest yards given up by an Auburn defense since the 2011 Florida game. Um, Now that could be both a combination of great defense by Auburn and also kind of an anemic offense from Texas A&M, but still a pretty good effort by Auburn to pull out the W there. Um, And they, and they needed to win. They needed to win bad this week. So, um, you know, kudos to Auburn for getting the job done.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've already ragged on A&M uh, look for Auburn. Um, you know, I don't even really like Auburn, but I, I do love the energy as you guys have already mentioned that Cadillac has brought to the sidelines. Um, I, I do wish that Auburn would seriously consider him for the full time job uh, because I think he at least deserves a look. Right, look, I, I know he's not like the splash hire, the big name, the whatever, the the uh, necessarily traditional style coach that that uh, they might be wanting, but you can't deny how, how things have changed. Uh, as you said, Matt tank said things that the building changed when he was hired and when he got the job. So, um, to, to bring that energy, it's, and, and I was even watching just even the first game that he was over there, just the energy that he has on the sidelines, even just during the game is just, uh, just, you can't deny that. So, um, I think he deserves a look. I don't think it's going to happen, but, uh, but, uh, kudos to him for what he's done just in two short games. Um, all right, that does it for last week's games. Current pickup standings I've got 37, Matt's got 30, and Jesse's got 16. Uh, still Ooh. games to go. Uh, lots of games that are worth more as well. So, um, let's go ahead and uh, let's
1: talk. Keep, keep, keep dangling it there for her, Wes. Yeah. She's gonna catch up.
0: <laughs> you never know, it, it, you know. Um, <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about the news real quick. Here's the news. <laughs> Well, thanks to some uh, other games that were going on this evening. Uh, This is fresh off the press, but uh, CFP rankings um, on Tuesday night are number one, Georgia, number two, Ohio State, number three, Michigan, number four, TCU, number five, Tennessee, number six, uh, LSU, number seven, USC, number eight, Alabama, number nine, Clemson, number 10, Utah, and then uh, SEC teams in the rest of the way, number 14, Ole Miss. Do you guys have any uh, any gripes with that? Is there somebody that you thought might have been rearranged? What do you think? Not everybody at once.
1: I uh, I you know what it, putting a two loss LSU team in front of a one loss USC team tells me a lot about what the committee thinks about the Pac twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think it's interesting that they're using LSU as kind of a firewall to keep USC out of the situation. Cause if you switch those around um and then all of a sudden, if they win the pack 12, they can make a, they can make a claim to get into the top four at this point, they would have to jump LSU, Tennessee and TCU. And I don't see that happening. Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised they put Alabama with two losses ahead of Clemson. um Just because I know how the committee loves Clemson and, um, And then Utah finding a way to get in the top 10 is also interesting. So
2: I'm surprised they are ahead of Ole Miss with the same record. Um, Ole Miss up 14 with the exact same record as Utah. um, Yeah. To me. And there are losses. I mean, the Ole Miss losses are to a, a top 10 ranked Alabama. And then, gosh, who's the other one to?
0: They lost to LSU, didn't they? Yeah, Ole Miss lost to
2: LSU. Yeah, then, and it, yeah, yeah, so that, that to me is a little weird, but
0: the uh, USC, their only loss was by one point to Utah. So, um, that's, that's Hmm. an interesting one there. Look, I know Utah, they've lost to, they lost to Florida, and I don't know who else, but, uh, But, yeah, that's an interesting thing. So, obviously, Ohio State and Michigan, one of those is going to lose. And then it's like, how close was the game? How far does one drop, you know, if that's the case? Um, TCU, probably going to be tough for them to win out. Um, Here's a fun thing. If LSU somehow, you know, it's not expected, but what if it happens? If LSU beats Georgia, do they jump Tennessee and jump into the top four?
1: Oh, don't after
0: Tennessee nuked them in, nuked them in their own house. I don't think so. A lot of people think I, that if I, LSU I beats Georgia, I don't know
1: in. if, yeah, I think I have a hard time keeping out the SEC champion. I, I just, I don't see how you do that. And I'm a Tennessee fan, but if, yeah. if, if LSU ran the table and ends up beating Georgia, then more than likely what you would have is Ohio State at one, let's say TCU wins out. TCU at 2, LSU at 3 and Georgia at you 4. You still think
2: that they beat out a one-loss Michigan team?
1: Yeah, what the LSU beats them out.
2: Yeah, or anybody. You think oh. Michigan completely gets out of it if they're just a one-loss? Uh, I
1: think if you knock off the number 1 team in the nation a couple weeks before the playoff starts, you need to be in the playoff. I think that if you, if you're that LSU. is the
0: feeling. But how can you? So Tennessee, their only loss is to the number one team in the nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. what do you do? With, what fight, do you listen, do with now,
1: that? You you and watch, then, but then, you watch.
2: My... Here's the thing: if Georgia loses to LSU, and then Ohio State becomes number one, and then Michigan's only loss would then be to the number one team. How do they not get in?
1: Right. It's a conundrum, isn't it? I'm just <laughs> saying I, I'm this tell, would
2: tell, this would ruin I'm everything. Telling
1: you right now, this is what's going to happen is going to win out. Ohio State, Michigan, one of those two is probably going to win. It'll probably be Ohio State. TCU's probably going to find a way to lose. And then Tennessee's going to be sitting at four, but it would not shock me in the absolute least if they take a one-loss Michigan Big Ten runner-up over a one-loss Tennessee team. It would and, not surprise me at all. That's my battered ball syndrome talk. Well,
0: and how much do they value so, how how much do they value uh USC? Because let's say that they went out and they win the Pac-12, and they have one loss by one point to Utah, currently the number 10 team in the nation. Who knows what they'll be then? But like, um what do you do with them? It's like you have a bunch of at that point, you have a bunch they, of teams that out. have a case. But
1: they don't have some <laughs> not, mad not a people. not a good enough case. Well, that's the reason why they're gonna expand it to, to eight teams or 12 yeah. teams or 28 teams or whatever they're gonna do. Here pretty soon. Pretty soon, this won't matter. It'll right. just be you're you're fighting for seeding. Or you doesn't gonna it help anybody this fight? year though,
0: and somebody's gonna you be know. mad this year. <laughs> no, and I yeah, guarantee. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but like you, I told you,
2: TCU would be boring.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I don't
1: know. It might be a good game. You don't know. Those might yeah, be it's, Big
0: Twelve. That's the thing is, it's hard to get a gauge. Big Twelve just beats up on each other, and it's hard to really get a gauge of if if uh, if they're any good or not.
2: If LSU wins, all I'm saying is it goes into
0: complete chaos. Everything. Yeah,
1: else. I, don't, yeah it, I don't see how you can't take the SEC champion, even with two losses. I well, feel like you have to at least put them in at four. If, that's the
0: that's the problem that's, though. Is that you're right? You it, they have wow. an excellent case, but so do a bunch of other teams. What do you do with the, the, those other teams that have a good case? Well, it's, it's it's funny. crowded.
1: <laughs> it, it's if it's the old days, you just put them in their own separate ball. Uh, Bowl games based on the SEC or best on based on conference affiliation and see what happens and let it all shake out after the bowls. right? But we can't do that anymore. This is like the operate.
2: this is one of the first times I feel like that in the rankings five through seven right now, yeah, are so close to one through four,
0: mm. yeah. so
2: like just right there at it, where I feel like there's been a, a larger margin in the past. And I think we're, we're close.
0: Right. We're, yeah, no, I, I get you. We're like in the past, we've had like the top five, you figure are pretty much set. It's just yeah. what order is mm-hmm. that top five going to be, but you know, you're right. Really. It's kind of one through seven. Um, You know, if depending on who loses then all chaos could, could be unleashed. So um, all right, well, let's uh, let's do a quick speed round. Road. all right so the first question and we have talked a little bit about this but let's be a little bit bit more granular here are we seeing and just you guys just jump in whoever wants to answer first are we seeing vandy improve under clark lee are we are we watching this football program get better or is kentucky regressing back to the sec seller do, do you think both okay
1: I
2: don't think that Vandy's improving like significantly just yet, but I think that Kentucky has regressed a bit, and I think Vandy's won out of conference
0: games. Hmm. Matt.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I think it's more Kentucky regressing than Vanderbilt improving. Uh, I think this was probably a situation where can, if Vanderbilt, I don't want to say got lucky because that would mean that they there wasn't skill involved. But I think this was a case of Kentucky kind of shooting themselves in the foot more than it was Vanderbilt getting better. Yeah. Just based I, off what I've seen. Of it. It's it's so hard for Vanderbilt to be good. It, it really is, given the situation at Vanderbilt, given the program, given all the different ancillary things that go along with it, like academic uh, requirements and all the other business that goes with Vanderbilt's um, program. I just, they're not going to be good unless they start changing things up.
0: Right. Well, I was listening to some of the analysts on Saturday night. They were talking about how winning is a habit, but unfortunately, so can losing be mm-hmm. become a culture and a habit um, and just a mentality. So I, I think um, from that standpoint, Clark Lee does have a challenge, but I, I do agree. I think it's both. I don't know what the percentages would be. I would probably agree with you, Matt, saying that it's probably a little bit more Kentucky regressing. But I I do see improvement with Vandy. um, And some of the announcers were saying, um, look, this is not necessarily that Kentucky gave them the game. Uh, Mm -hmm. Vandy just kind of outplayed them. Now, maybe that was because Kentucky was lacking in some performance areas. But it's interesting to watch a Vandy team do things the right way, (laughs) right? Uh, Something that we don't, we're not used to seeing necessarily. So, all right, now let's move quickly to uh, the second one. We've talked about it. It's been a huge story. Auburn just feels like an entirely different team under Cadillac Williams. They aren't lighting up the scoreboard, but the energy is just a hundred times better. Should they hire him? Uh, We talked about this a little bit. Should they hire him to be the full-time coach or should not, what do you believe will happen? Should they hire him to be the full-time coach or should they go with a splash hire with a big name?
1: They got to have a big name. Okay. I think they got to have a big name. They tried to get a big name with Harson; That was a failure. Uh, I think after they, they moved on from Gus Malzahn, they're in a situation where they've got to get the next hire, right? I don't think they're in a situation where they can afford to screw this up. They're going to have to have a big name. Cadillac is a feel good story. And I'll be the first to admit that it feels lovely. It feels great, but you can't you can't let your passions get into it so much to where you're not looking at it analytically. You're gonna need a big hire and you're gonna need somebody that's gonna be able to come in and immediately start changing the culture and start winning ball games. Yeah. Jesse to play devil's advocate.
2: Uh yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with with Matt. I think the concern would be that you have this this feel-good story, you have this culture change um but you don't it may not necessarily have the recruiting power um and if i'm a recruit i'm concerned like oh this this guy's just still kind of seen as an interim i don't want to go somewhere where it's just an interim guy i want to go somewhere with a guy that has a proven track record that gets me to the nfl um that's me as a recruit if i had other options i'd probably look at those other options now He seems lovely. I think they're like Matt said, I think they're going to try to make a splash higher and they have not done so in the past couple of years. And with a program that has very high expectations and a very low margin for patients, I I would just, yeah, I don't think, I don't think he gets it, which is sad.
0: I think if this was the last hire by Auburn, the the previous one, I think they (laughs) could, I think they could have done this. But I think because of the botched hire with Harson and how that turned out, they can't they can't afford to screw this one up. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, I I agree um, that they probably should go with a a big name hire just from the standpoint of that they need to get those recruits in. Like you said, Jesse, they need to uh, have somebody who's a little bit more uh, of a household name to draw people in and you know like i said it would be cool to take a chance on cadillac and he turns out to be a phenomenal coach who knows he he may go on to have a a, a wonderful coaching career um but uh, i don't think that that's something that they could afford to take a chance on right now just given the way things are going um all right let's move to the next one way too early question <laughs> but it's just for fun. Once AM bites the bullet, forks over the cash for Jimbo's buyout and asks him to leave, who do they go for? Who can who can fix the problems at AM right now?
2: Who I think they if someone doesn't get him first. Okay. Because clearly they're willing to spend the money. They're yeah. willing to spend an egregious amount of money. It's true. And their program needs a lot of help right now um and what i'm gonna assume is a culture change once jimbo's out um i think they make a call to jackson state and see what old dion's doing if he's not already at auburn
1: Ooh, mm.
0: i like that okay that matt you you agree with that or you got another name
1: uh Hmm. Uh, the problem you're running into is, who's out there? I mean, let's 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 say they fired him the end of the season.
2: What's the other Riley? Free- Does Lincoln Riley have a brother?
1: Ooh, I have no idea. No. But there's also uh no whatever
0: idea. whatever happened to um uh Frost? Is he still Frost. hanging around? He's not been hired by anybody, has he? He
1: he yeah he's still I think after he got his walking papers from Nebraska, I think he's still chilling. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I would, I would think that they've, I've heard, I've already heard rumors, uh, that Auburn's already in, was in negotiations with Lane, but then those fell through, Mm. um, is the rumor I heard. Uh, and then I also heard that apparently, uh, Hugh Freeze's name is being thrown around in, in Auburn too. Um, but if I'm A&M and you want that splash hire, I think you go after somebody that's, that's gonna be a name so like you freeze would probably be okay i don't know it's just so hard because there's not a lot of names out there that you could lean on
2: uh lincoln riley does think. have a brother garrett riley who is currently the offensive coordinator for texas christian university
1: Well, there you and go that guy's probably going to get a couple of coaching jobs somewhere offer mm-hmm. at least an offer to uh after this season i'll That's
2: offer right. him an offensive coordinator position at the university <laughs> of alabama
1: today no, y'all need to keep y'all need to keep that guy you got there forever.
2: A yeah. M can have A&M Bill O'Brien.
1: You know, I uh,
2: for the low low.
0: <laughs> I I um I agree with um actually I actually agree with Hugh Freeze. And here's another reason. So uh AM has offensive woes right now. Uh he can definitely fix those. Also, um, here's something that I I, I looked up. Uh Ross Bjork, who is the uh, A D at A and M was the AD at Ole Miss back in the day when uh when Hugh Freeze was there. He didn't hire him, but he came on like right after uh Freeze was hired. Um so I don't know if they you know are still still friends still talk whatever uh, or if there was any, any damage done there when, when Freeze left. I have no idea. But they do have a connection. So I was just thinking about that too. So uh I mean interesting.
2: Cousin Eddie used to
1: you, you lord don't coach. no no maybe that's no, who lord. Auburn oh, is yes. now now
2: we the need, Auburn AD up. used to be at Mississippi no. State
1: no we need we need oh, Mullen God. back please don't don't no and you know what we don't we need Mullen back like we all need a hole a- in the head
0: A&M is Mullen a coaching change stop <laughs> it
1: oh.
2: I was thinking more for Auburn because the AD came from Mississippi State and he before Florida was at Mississippi State. But well, yeah, dude, that too. I hate that. I,
0: hate that I wonder I wonder how happy he is as an announcer or as an analyst rather. Um, Living a lot less pressure. You get to just talk about football and you get paid a lot to do it. So well, the know.
2: the Carolina Panthers coach, he's or former coach, I don't I'm think he's uh, Yeah, yeah he's out
1: there too. And I mean, he was successful at Wisconsin. So, yeah. Or was it, was it Wisconsin or was it Minnesota? I don't Wisconsin? remember. I think.
0: All right. Well, um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and talk about some of these upcoming uh, games. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble. All right. Let's talk about some of these upcoming games. First of which is uh, Austin P the governors at seven and three. At Alabama 8 and 2 noon on ESPN Plus. Um, Austin P is located in Clarksville, Tennessee, and they are currently third in the A Sun, formerly the Atlantic Sun Conference. Uh, what are your predictions, Jesse?
2: I'm picking the tide on this one. We're at home. This is hopefully a tune up game before uh Iron Bowl. And so I'm picking Bama uh 42 to 10.
1: All right, Matt. Yeah, um, you know, anytime Bama plays a little cupcake, they're going to probably take care of business. So this is a cupcake, uh, 52-14 Bama.
0: All right, yeah, I think we should uh, expect Bama to utilize an opportunity to feel like the dominant team that they're used to being, (laughs) and they uh, hone in on some skills in this tune-up game. So uh, Bama 52-7, and I think that touchdown for Austin P comes late. So... Um, Next is the East Tennessee State Buccaneers at three and seven at Mississippi State six and four noon on ESPN plus East Tennessee State's located in Johnson City, Tennessee, in the upper east corner of the state and is currently eighth in the Southern Conference. Uh, Jesse, what's your prediction for this one?
2: Our our sweet other Tennessee friends. Um, I'm gonna pick Mississippi State. I think they rallied the troops this week after uh, a devastating loss to Georgia, and uh, they get things done at home, 35 to 14.
1: All right, Matt. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Mississippi State too. I don't foresee them having issues with the East Tennessee State, uh, especially out of the Tri City areas in 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 Johnson City, so or JC as locals call it. So yeah, Mississippi <laughs> State.
0: Uh, 38-10. Nice. Um. Yeah, I think Mississippi State's able to get back to their game plan in this one. I expect Will Rogers to have some uh some pretty good stats. Uh, I'm going with Mississippi State, forty-eight to seven. And again, I think that touchdown for East Tennessee comes late. All right, let's move to the UMass Minutemen, one and nine, at Texas A&M, three and seven. Uh, noon on ESPN Plus. Uh, UMass is located in Amherst, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, and is the sole public land-grant university in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Little tidbits there for you. They are uh, not a member of a conference, but among their other independent teams, they are currently last. (laughs) Uh, Their only win is against the Stony Brook Seawolves, so I don't know if that helps. Uh, Jesse, your prediction. For this one
2: i mean funny they sound terrible and so is AM. so this should be a fun one um but i am gonna pick the aggies uh just because they're probably not they're not one and nine bad uh but well i don't know i'm picking <laughs> texas AM 24 to 10.
0: all right matt
1: yeah if this was 90s if this was the 1990s and we were playing basketball i'd pick umass but it's not 1990s <laughs> and we're not playing basketball so I'm gonna go with Texas A&M, and they're gonna find out where they packed the car. Uh, so Texas A&M,
0: 2014. Uh yeah, I think this
1: is one a- A&M. Yard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think this is one A&M can win. Uh, so if they lose this one, I think they fire Jimbo, even if his buyout's a hundred million. Okay, um, I think this. <laughs> yeah, this will this will actually be quite a <laughs> blowout. I think I got A&M here, forty-one to seven. They uh, as they find some offense finally. I don't think I don't think AM scored over 30 points this year. I think that was a stat I saw. Um, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that. They they have not done well on the offense side offensive side of the ball. Um, all right, Florida at Vanderbilt. Uh Florida six and four, three and four in the SEC, Vanderbilt four and six. And look at that, one and five in the SEC, noon on SEC Network. Uh, Obviously, Vandy's feeling pumped about uh, getting that first SEC win since 2019. Uh, Florida coming off a dominating win against South Carolina. Mathematically, Vandy has a chance at a bowl game, but they got Florida and Tennessee left. So you're telling me there's a chance. (laughs) Jesse? what do you you got? Predictions?
2: I think uh, Florida is is gaining confidence, and I think Vanderbilt is probably – they're just happy to be there. Uh, so I'm going to pick the Gators 31 to 13.
1: All right, Matt. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm changing my, things. you're adjusting. Um, I'm, I'm, I just looked at the line line on this game's 14 for Florida. And I don't think. Florida's not a great team, so I don't see them beating that. Uh beating and it's in that, Nashville that it's an intimidating so gonna, place to I'm, play. I'm gonna say I'm I'm gonna say Vanderbilt covers here. So I'm gonna say Vanderbilt covers, but UF wins 28-20. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, I uh, I think uh more more of Vandy, the Vandy faithful will show up in Nashville, uh just to sort of celebrate that big win last week. But I think Florida's a little bit tougher. Than Kentucky, which has really struggled this year. Uh, so uh, plus we've seen Anthony Richardson play well on the road. So I'm going to Florida here, uh, 35-21. All right, uh, let's go to Georgia at 10-0, and 7-0 in the SEC at Kentucky, 6-4, and 3-4 and in the SEC. That's 3.30 on CBS. Uh, Georgia goes on the road once again, tries to stay undefeated. Uh, we'll see if they're able to focus on Kentucky after clinching the SEC east. Uh, Kentucky wants to bounce back after that Vandy loss, but FPI gives them about a 7% chance of winning this one. So, uh, Jesse, your prediction?
2: I think that as bad as Kentucky wants to come back and gain some confidence, this is just going to continue to be bad. Um, Georgia wins this one 45-10.
0: Hey, Matt?
1: More blood! <laughs> More blood. <laughs> so I'm gonna say Georgia wins 38 10.
0: Yeah, I think is kind of able to control the pace of this game on offense and kind of get in Will Levis's face on defense. I don't think Kentucky's a necessarily a bad team, but they've underperformed this year, and I don't know that they match up very well position by position against Georgia. So I got Georgia winning this one 42
1: to 10. Line on that game is 22 and a half, by the way. So mm. yeah that's, um, that's all probably right. that's probably the worst uk uga line that we've seen in a while
0: in a while yeah probably yeah. yeah yeah regression um uh western kentucky hilltoppers at seven and four at auburn at four and six that's four o'clock on the sec network uh western kentucky is a public university in bowling green kentucky i feel like i love giving these like you know Um, I don't know if you'd call it like history lesson or a PSA or whatever. Anyway, they're currently tied for second in the conference USA with North Texas. Uh, the university of Texas at San Antonio is currently first, by the way. So, um, yeah, Jesse, your predictions for Western Kentucky at Auburn.
2: Western Kentucky is not bad. Um, no, no, I know several alum from there. Um, and, uh, I, as much as I I know that Auburn is hyped right now, this is not a night game in Jordan Hare. And I I just don't know that Auburn has enough to get it done. I'm calling a close one, but I'm gonna pick the Hilltoppers in this one, uh 28 to 24.
1: All right. Uh Matt. Yeah, I, I'm looking at who they've played this season. They barely beat Austin P. They blew out Hawaii. They lost to Indiana. They lost to Troy. They lost to UT San Antonio. They lost to University of North Texas. I don't see them pulling off an upset. I'm going to say Auburn wins this thing twenty twenty. 20
0: Yeah, I think Auburn continues this surge under Cadillac, and this is another home game. And it's not a night game, but then it also gets dark at like five o'clock now. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, they'll uh, they'll have to stop the passing attack, though, as um, Western Kentucky's quarterback Austin Reed has passed for over thirty five hundred yards and has thirty one touchdowns. To kind of put that in pr- into perspective, Henan uh, Hooker has passed for two thousand eight hundred eighty eight yards and twenty four touchdowns. Their I know
2: former a- quarterback is currently sitting sometimes ahead of, sometimes behind Mac Jones for the Patriots.
0: Yeah, Zapping. Yeah. well, I mean, like I, I know it's Conference USA, but I mean, still, I mean, those are impressive stats and they'll certainly have to stop that if they if Auburn wants to win. So I, I do think Auburn wins. I think this one's pretty close, though. I got Auburn 28, to tw- uh, 24, 28, 24. Uh, next is Tennessee, nine and one, uh, five and one in the SEC at South Carolina, six and four, three and four in the SEC at seven o'clock on ESPN. Tennessee will continue to try and impress the committee and state their case for the top four. And they will do so against the team that just lost to Florida 38 to six. Also, uh, new uniforms, which I'm sure Matt will touch on. Jesse, what's your, uh, prediction for this
1: one?
2: This one's boring. Tennessee takes it 48
1: to nine. All right, Matt. So the boys decided to break out new uniforms. They've got an all orange helmet with a white power T, uh, and then white white jersey with white pants. And I am freaking here for it. So woo new uniform height squad. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say Tennessee wins this thing big 5614. Uh, do not be shocked. Do not be shocked if uh if we get an opportunity for the 60 side of fries along with the 50 burger, if they don't go after it.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm glad Uh, South Carolina is already bowl eligible because they got Tennessee this week and then Clemson to close out the regular season. So tough road ahead for them, for sure. South Carolina, like Mizzou last week, doesn't have the personnel to stop Tennessee's high parrot offense, uh, specifically their receivers. Uh, Might be close early, but uh, the Vols will pull ahead by a large margin, I believe, in the second and third quarters. Expect Jalen Hyatt to be wide open multiple times in this game, which... uh, they they analyzed last week, and a lot of times it's not just that he's, you know, making these great moves and running fast, which obviously he can do both of those things well, but they're scheming him open as well because people are like, mm. how does he keep getting open? Well, a lot of it's scheme as well. So uh, after last game against Mizzou, it's apparent that Tennessee's on a mission to impress the committee with insane numbers. So don't expect them to hold back, I don't think, as you kind of mentioned, uh, just because it's getting out of hand. I got Tennessee in this one 52 to 21. Um all right let's uh, move to Ole Miss at Arkansas. Uh, Ole Miss at 8 and 2, 4 and 2 in the SEC. Uh, at Arkansas four, uh, 5 and 5, 2 and 4 in the SEC. 7:30 on SEC Network. Ole Miss is actually only favored by 3 in this one the last the last I looked. Uh, they don't have a chance to play in the SEC Championship but they still get a chance to play for a 10 win season and be in a good bowl game. Arkansas, on the other hand, just trying to become bowl eligible with a sixth win on the season. So they're playing for a lot as well. So uh, what are your predictions, Jesse?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I know that winning the West is obviously not a thing anymore for Ole Miss, but I still think that they are trying to play lights out and still trying to get this program going. I don't know that they play four total quarters. We've seen that be an issue for them in the past. Uh, and Arkansas showed a lot of toughness against an LSU team. So I'm going to pick Ole Miss in this one, but uh, I don't think it's going to be an astronomical difference. So I'm going to say uh, Ole Miss 28 to 14.
1: All right, Matt. Yeah, I like Ole Miss here. Um, Arkansas has been a team that's been trending downward for the last couple of weeks. but the last two months, it feels like I don't foresee Ole Miss struggling too much. However, I do see Arkansas kind of making a late run at it. And trying to climb back into it and making the score a little bit closer than the game actually is, so I'm gonna say Ole Miss twenty eight twenty four.
0: I think I think playing at home is a factor here for Arkansas. I think Arkansas's defense is going to be a challenge for both Jackson Dart and Quinchon Judkins. Um, I think this one's going to be an exciting close game, and and I don't know, like I really wanted to pick like a feel good win for Arkansas, right? And then I remembered like just how much Arkansas struggled without K.J. Jefferson and even with him trying to play through this shoulder injury when they lost to Liberty. So I just don't see that happening as much as I think I would would like to see that. Uh, I'm going to go with Ole Miss in here in in a close one here, 31 to 28. So uh, next is New Mexico State, the Aggies at four and five at Missouri, four and six. Um, That is 7.30 on ESPNU. Uh, New Mexico is a public university located in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. They are also uh, independent, ranking fifth out of seven teams in the FBS independent standings. Um, Predictions. Jesse, what you got?
2: I think Mizzou is able to get this done despite having a very similar record. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I'm going to pick Mizzou 24 to 21 just because Mizzou.
1: Okay, Matt. I am utterly confused on which way to swing on this one. Um, this is a New Mexico State team that got nuked by Minnesota, uh, nuked by Wisconsin. Um, they beat Butch Jones's team. Um, but yeah, and they got nuked by Liberty. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Mizzou. Um, I don't really want to because Drinky's not that great, but I'm gonna say Mizzou is saying eh, say 33 24.
0: Nice, yeah, I think Mizzou's gonna take care of business here. So, uh, MIZ or his Drinky would say MIZ 38 to 10. So, um all right, next is the UAB Blazers five and five at LSU eight and two, nine o'clock on ESPN2. Um, so if you guys remember, uh, obviously, U- UAB obviously is located in Birmingham. I don't mean you remember that, I-, I take it that you do, but for their uh football program, it was uh shut down back in 2014 after a six and six season. Um, uh, UAB decided to cut costs, shut down its football program, they didn't last long, however. And through various meetings and and fundraisers, they soon had that football program going once again in 2017 with greater community support as well, it seemed. Um, They also have a new home stadium, a protective stadium with a capacity of 42,000 people, which opened in uh, 2021 and hosted the opening and closing ceremonies of the World Games last July. So there you go. The more you know. Uh, They are currently sixth in Conference USA this year. So, Jesse, what's your prediction?
2: I think LSU needs to be careful not to have this be a trap game um, to take their competition seriously, clean up the mistakes of last week. I think that they get it done. uh, But, you know, like I said, they have to be careful on this one. So I'm going to pick the Tigers 28 to 13. Also, it's a very late game.
1: Yes, yes, it is. Matt, yeah, I don't see UAB being able to really hang here, um, especially with the momentum LSU's kind of had. The granted they ran, it's a little bit of a buzzsaw against Arkansas, but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pick LSU here. I'm gonna say 30 to 10 as your final.
0: Yeah, it's a night game at Death Valley with a team that is playing to state a case for the playoff again. Um, so uh, I, I think uh, because of that they avoid any temptation to kind of overlook UAB. I got LSU here 35 to 17. So um actually um so this one we got a few more to pick from this week with all these out of conference games, but all these games considered, what do you guys think is the uh game to watch this week?
2: I'm going to say Old Miss Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or honestly, I would I'm probably going to most enjoy watching Western Kentucky and Auburn.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Ole Miss Arkansas is the only game that's going to be somewhat close-ish. Um yeah. I am going to be curious to see how uh, Kentucky responds to Georgia mm-hmm. if they're going to be able to hang it all. That's going to be an interesting story to watch for this weekend. Um, not to mention the fact I am curious as to what the offense is going to look like for Tennessee against uh, South Carolina. So, we'll
0: yeah yeah i sort of expect that one to be a nuke I, I, a lot of these teams still have things to play for and from that standpoint i am interested in in quite a few of them but i i do agree i think old miss arkansas is uh is one to watch like we said oh uh old miss playing for 10 wins uh arkansas playing for a bowl game you know they're at five, sitting right there at five wins so uh, a lot to be played for there um all right. Well, uh, that does it for the, uh, upcoming games and that does it for this episode. Uh, we appreciate you guys joining us. If you'd like to email us, please do so at pigskinsandpageantry at gmail.com. We are at pigskinsandpageantry on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, Twitter. We are at PPSEC podcast. Um, and who knows, I might even look into getting one of those little blue checks since everybody can get them now. Um, <coughs> anyway, <was>. uh, <laughs> We're available for download on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and most podcasting apps on iPhone, Android, and other operating systems. If you enjoy the show, please take a moment subscribe and review five stars. We would love that. Uh, We're also on uh, Amazon Music, uh, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. So uh, check us out. Uh, We greatly appreciate that. Hey, uh, lots of games coming up this week, some interesting ones. Uh, Until next time, this is Wes. Go dogs.
2: Bama, let's play like gentlemen, let's play disciplined, and let's tune the heck up for an Iron Bull. Roll Tide.
1: There's nothing I enjoy better than beating the crap out of South Carolina, especially Darius Rucker. You know what you did. Go balls.